Life's a game, the world's a stage, and we are Merely Role Players, where theatrical people play role-playing games. I'm Matt Boothman, and I'm your compare for this studio production. Here on Merely Role Players, we improvise stories for your entertainment and ours, and we use role-playing games to keep the story going places even we can't see coming, because as theatrical people, we're all about maximising the drama. This is Act 1 of Monumental Exit, one of our studio productions. The studio is where we experiment with different formats, different role-playing games, and different genres of story. In this production, we're playing the classic edition of Fiasco, designed by Jason Morningstar and published by Bully Pulpit Games. Games of Fiasco are built round themed collections of prompts called playsets, and the one we're using is called When the Music Stopped. You don't need to be caught up on anything else we've produced to jump into Monumental Exit. In fact, all our productions tell a complete story, so if you enjoy this one and you want to try something else we've done, just find any episode with Act 1 in the title and you'll be able to jump in there. Starting now, we'll release a new act of Monumental Exit every other week, and to keep you going through the weeks in between, we'll release backstage episodes that give you a peek behind the scenes. So stay tuned for one of those next week. In the meantime, please take your seats in the studio. Tonight's production is about to begin. Players Studio Production, Act One of Three. Please, everybody, give a warm welcome to the studio stage for the cast of this studio production, beginning with Josh. Good evening! My name is Josh. I am playing legendary rock and roll frontman. Bilbo Biltom. <laughs> hello, hello everyone. I am Nat and I will be playing Oboe and Theremin Empresario, Sue Sherpa. Hello. My, <laughs> My name is Alex and I will be playing the twin to Sue Sherpa um, and roadie extraordinaire Mike Sherpa. And hello, my name is Matt Boothman. I- I'm not your compare for this uh, production. <gasps> I am uh, also in the cast, and I will be playing humble stone carver and uh, potential new upcoming rock and roll legend, Greg Nevin. He's done the rock. Now he's doing the roll. Heck yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to put that on my LinkedIn profile. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Well, we have nothing further to discuss before we begin the first scene of this production and the responsibility for deciding that this first scene is going to focus on, as it should, current frontman Bilbo Biltong. Josh has the responsibility to decide either. Uh, Josh, would you like to establish the scene or resolve the scene? So establishing means that I get to create a setting. Indeed, you get to decide where is the scene set, who is in it, and what are the stakes. And resolve is I can't set the scene, but I do decide if it ends in a positive or a negative outcome. For your character, yes, indeed. 
I would like to establish a scene, please. Great. So you're turning over responsibility for deciding whether it's a good or a bad outcome for Bilbo to the rest of the cast. <laughs> will it be rock or will it be rock? <laughs> uh, my first scene will be with Theremin Oboe Extraordinaire mm-hmm. Sue Shepard. Hello. I saw this scene as Bilbo visiting Sue. Yeah. You're kind of somewhere calm and serene that you've spent all of your rock and roll money on. I, I think I've, yeah, I, I've got the glamorous flat that we had when it was a heyday. And I think I've now also got a little cottage somewhere. I mean, I grew up in uh, in Suffolk. So this is what I'm picturing, this kind of like rural coastal area of like, I've got a little cottage and I like walking along the pebbly beach barefoot and picking out interesting looking stones to paint. So here's the scene. A sunny... Uh, summer's day on a beach in Suffolk. It's uh, sunny, but the wind is, is freezing. The wind is fierce. Yeah. It's a fierce yeah, wind. Yeah, yeah. There's nobody else on the beach except for a few hardy dog walkers. Yeah. Uh, because and, and detectorists. And yeah. a few detectorists. <laughs> uh, so the wind is howling, but the sun is shining, and you walk, your hair being blown in its mm-hmm. typical Kate Bush yeah. fashion. It's everywhere. Uh, and you see, in the middle distance sort of hobbling along the, the spiky, stony um, beach towards you, your bandmate of 40-odd years, Bilbo Biltong. Bilbo is roughly five foot four tall. Mm-hmm. He's got brown, leathery skin, yep. like, a, like a beef jerky sort of colour and consistency. Uh, his face is like shrink-wrapped flesh on an old skull. His, yep. uh, <laughs> his eye bags <laughs> descending, his teeth... Uh, the third set of teeth that he's had put in. Uh, he's got Iggy Pop style hair, mm-hmm. um, sort of scarecrow style um, shoulder length hair. He walks barefoot as well uh, yeah. and bare chested. Yeah. Um, so wearing nothing on the top. But he wears a pair of really inappropriate for his age, stonewashed, like tight, tight as you like, um, stonewashed jeans. Mm-hmm. And I think Sue is is there. Um, she's kind of she's currently hunched over, like you said. She's got this this massive mane of like Kate Bush hair uh, that's flying all over the place. It's probably slapping her in the face from the wind as well. But she doesn't care. She doesn't see it. She's used to it, right? I think at the moment she is wearing a big cardigan, like you wouldn't necessarily know that she was part of a rock band. There's 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 people like the the local kids are like. Oh, the, the the she's out on the beach again, you know the 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 crazy old lady. And there's like rumors, rumor had it that she used to be, uh, but no one believes it because she's just out picking up bits of seaweed and stones and driftwood again. So it's kind of like long, long, like floor length black skirt, open toe sandals, and then a big beige baggy knitted cardigan, hair everywhere. She she looks up and and kind of sees you. And shouts, Bilbo, you fucker! <laughs> but you can't hear it because the wind is too loud. So this diminutive figure approaches, and we said this is a pebble beach, right? Yes. Okay, so as he gets closer, you hear him say, oh, fuck, Jesus, fuck this fucking beach. Oh, ow, my feet. Oh, that's right. I'm not wearing shoes. I, I Open toe sandals are nearby, but not on my feet. Oh, God, God yeah. damn it. Sue, it's been Bilbo. so long. Bilbo, what are you doing here? It's good to see you. <laughs> Alex, Alex and I, like, we've got to have the same accent. <laughs> so he's twins have the same accent. 
They have the same exact same voice. Everyone knows this. It's twins, so I look forward to sounding like a crone. An actual crone. <laughs> I, I, I didn't know what was going to come out of my mouth until I said it. Anyway. <laughs> I heard rumour that you still had your little sea shanty cottage off in the distance. Yes, yeah. it's uh, it's been doing me nicely, yes. Mm. Have you, have, do you want to come over for some tea? Or maybe something harder? Let's take a walk along the beach, Sue. Oh, We've oh. got plenty to discuss. And I am very, very chilly at the moment. I did not bring a sweater with me. Would you like my cardigan? I would love to wear your cardigan. Yeah. Rock and roll. <laughs> Sue. Yes, Bilbo? You know me, we've known each other for 40, 40 odd years. 42 and a half. 42 and a half. It's been a... It's been quite the journey. It has. Rock and roll existence. Oh, pick up that bit of seaweed. Sorry, carry on. No problem. Here's here is your seaweed. There is a there is a creaking sound as Bilbo bends down to pick up the seaweed. Damn it! Is it him? Is it the jeans? We may never know. (laughs) Sue, I'm not Bilbo. I'm not getting any younger. No, as I'm sure you know, I've been in this game for a long, long time, and I think it might be time for me to finally. Hang up my theremin and the what? microphone. Bilbo. It's been a long, long time. No, but you can't, Bilbo. Think of the children. Those children are now in their 70s, Sue. As I'm sure you saw from our latest tour, we don't have any kids that come to watch our shows anymore. No, we do need to reach out to the young. No, fuck the young. They don't have enough money to afford our tickets, Sue. Sue, walk with me, Sue. I'm walking, I'm walking. I've done, I've seen a lot of things with you, the tours we've done, the people we've experienced, the fights, the flights, the fun. The fantasy. The ecstasy. Yes. Sue, I think we've got to do one more gig, Sue. One more? One more gig. We've got to take it back to where it all began. Back to the Beanstalk. Back to the Beanstalk. That first venue, where, to be fair, you weren't part of the band then. It was 20 years before you had joined in, but... No, I was in the audience. You I were... remember it well. What was your favourite part? Tell me. Oh. In great detail. <laughs> it has to be the bit where you climbed it. I mean, metaphorically. You know, you stood there on the stage and you climbed that beanstalk and we all, as a crowd, we climbed it with you. I was on a lot of uppers at that gig, I seem to remember. <laughs> there was, there was the, the, the notes that you produced from your mouth. I'm pretty sure you can still produce them right now. Oh, it might be one or two octaves lower, but that opening line of... That's exactly how it sounded. Ringing in your ears. It's so beautiful. It was a good, good time. Listen, I'm, Sue. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Uh, um, I couldn't help but hear you. It sounded like you were in distress. Do either of you need uh, need some help getting off the beach? No. Don't worry about it. Who the fuck well, are you? I, I tell you what, I need hand, hand with you. You see all that seaweed? And oh. actually that stone over there. Can you pick that up for me? Follow us. Come. Which? Come. What's yeah. your name? Uh, I'm, I'm Derek. Hello, Derek. I, we, I've we've met. We, I, I do the milk round. Sure you do, sweetheart. Derek, you are witnessing a moment here. It does feel very intense. Can you pick up that seaweed for me? It's very important. All right. Walk with us, Derek. As you were saying, Bilbo. Do I have to say it in front of this fucking asshole here? It's right. Leave it. He delivers my milk. It's fine. Listen, Sue. I need you back in the band. I know we're on hiatus for now, but we need to get all the old faces back together. Not the originals, obviously. They are very, very dead. It's been a while since I played my oboe. Mm. 
But once I'm gone, you'll have responsibility to play the oboe and the theremin. You would trust that to me, Bilbo. I don't have a choice. I'm retiring. That is quite the pressure. And quite the honour. Rehearsal start in two weeks. All the old band, the living members at least, back together again. Oh, we're going to need your brother. There's yes. nobody that could set the stage and test those microphones like Mike Sherpa. No one else could possibly lift anything. No. Derek stands <laughs> with arms full of limp seaweed. Um, I, I don't mean to alarm anyone, but I, I think something in the seaweed stung me. Fuck off, Derek. <laughs> Sue just runs her hand over your face. Not now, my dear. Not now. And then a big... I was going to say meaty handshake. A big meaty handshake for the Biltong man. <laughs> You've got salami for fingers. Apparently so. <laughs> it's what else with the theremin, you see. <laughs> Old sausage fingers. Not so much the hobo. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and and a, a, a tiny train-spotting scarred <laughs> hand of Bilbo Biltong comes out. <clears throat> we shake on the beach. Yeah. Rehearsal start in a fortnight. I'll be there. The next scene, uh, Nat is going to focus on your character, Sue Sherpa. Yes. You get to decide, are you going to establish the stakes or are you going to resolve the scene? Oh, oh no, I forgot I had to decide that. (laughs) Um, I think once again, I'm going to establish the stakes. Great. Well, I think the logical scene would be to go and recruit Mike, but I think the scene is actually going to be... I'm going to go to the workshop, mm-hmm. but it's going to be with Greg. Okay. Uh, we should decide, like, Sue is li- was living in a cottage by the seaside. Yes. Have you had to come back to the big city for this? Is this where the workshop is? I think we're in some city. Maybe not London. Where? Where? Is- it's on an industrial estate in a city. I okay. Reckon. Like, we're in yeah. some sort of in- industrial, the workshop is in some sort of, like, industrial unit. It right. is a stone carving workshop. Yeah, sure. But not the one that you would attend. Yeah. But you it's... do attend it if you work there. Okay. A, yeah. a carvery for stones. <laughs> yeah. This is a business where we make funeral monuments from stone. Sure. Not a, t- not a, t- a fun a activity for stag dudes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> wow. What a stag do. Can't say I've ever carved <laughs> funeral headpiece <laughs> on a stag do. Come on, Dave. Let's, let's carve a cherub with a massive penis. <laughs> well, I think. Greg, it's it's probably oddly early. Like mm-hmm. you're you're about to open up. Whatever you're doing, I think you probably just hear approaching oboe music. <laughs> you're playing it on the way. Yes, I've got, to, I've got to get back into practice. Fair enough. And let's not waste time. Let's do it whilst travelling. Ever the professional. Exactly. And Committed. So, so Greg is confronted by this like Pied Piper figure. <laughs> Yes, there's mostly hair. <laughs> so that we're this is like industrial uh, kind of unit, and uh, so Greg is just in the process of uh, rolling the shutters up. Yeah, uh, and over the shutters is mounted a uh, a carven block of stone, carven all over with like Celtic knots, mm-hmm. and stuck through the stone is an antique Zweihander nice. sword uh, yeah. with a slightly chipped blade. Yeah. Just embedded in it. Greg is in his mid fifties. Mm-hmm. He uh, has long hair and a beard because they are not well taken care of, not because it's a fashion choice. Yeah, and a uh, cardigan with leather elbow patches. Sue is in same outfit as before, 
has not changed. Uh, he's wearing sandals, though, this time. You just hear, like, a... <laughs> I can't do that. that. That was sorry. a, th- a theremin, wasn't it? <laughs> sorry, what, what, sorry, what noise does an oboe make? And take two. <laughs> you're, doing, you're doing, like, scales to, like, warm up. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, uh, and I'm going to walk up to the door and just stare through it. Greg has just frozen, stood up from the, like, managed to get the shutters up, but then, like, as soon as the rattle of the shutters was over, heard this approaching oboe, turned to see where this music was coming from, and just saw this floaty, ancient, Pied Piper oboist just drifting towards his workshop, and is just frozen in the headlights. Feels like maybe he's actually been bewitched by a fae. I've come for Mike. Um, Mike's not going to be in till later. But I need to collect him. (laughs) Collect him? It is time. (laughs) (laughs) Now feeling like, getting a strong sense that it's like, it's him or Mike. Do do you want to come in? I can make you a couple while you wait. Oh yes, that'd be lovely actually, thank you. He'll just be a few, he'll be in by lunchtime. What time is it now? 7am. Sure, I've got time. Do you mind if I sit here practising while I wait? Um, I suppose that's, yes, that's, yes, you could do that. That would be fine. (laughs) (laughs) Do you you take sugar? Yes, please, five. Ooh. It's vitally important, in between it, it's vitally important that, uh, that I gather him, you see. A monumentous occasion is about to occur. Now that you're in the workshop, you can see uh, it is kind of a reasonably bare space with a little kitchen in one kitchenette in one corner, mm. and just several obelisks of stone on wooden pallets uh, in various different stages of having been carved. Does one of them have a cherub on it? Yes. Sure. Yeah. And the size of its genitalia is... Is, Well, it's... I'll I'll let you decide. Prodigious? (laughs) Overwhelming? Unnecessary. (laughs) What? (laughs) Prodigious. Overwhelming and unnecessary. These are all sizes of phallus that you do not want. Um, So, as, as Sue is saying this, saying these portentous things about Mike, the realization comes over Greg's face that this, this carving of the prodigiously genital cherub is there in the middle of the room, visible. Yeah. And he just sidles to try and get in between Sue and it, so <laughs> to try and like protect her delicate sensibilities from it. And I think as, as she's sort of, she's eyeballing Greg this entire time, and as he's getting closer to the, the gravestone, she's also kind of following him sideways, <laughs> just eyeballing him. <laughs> and as we get close enough, she's not even looked at it, but just like slams her hand out on it and just goes, have you seen him? <laughs> how, how is he these days? Oh, he's, he, um, he, he's, he's doing very well. I don't really know him to, to have a pint with, but we share the workshop. Um, and so sort of together a lot of the time, most days, um, and we don't, we don't always agree on the, um, the, the aesthetics. Um, we make, I don't, we make, Funeral monuments and gravestones and, and other sorts of funerary uh, carvings here. Uh, important work. Important ve- work. He, he's he's very dedicated. Uh, Can he still lift? He, what do you mean still? Well, he always lifted. 
I mean, he put all of these big blocks of stone here. Excellent, excellent. I knew he still had it in him. And what do you do? Oh, uh, these ones are mine. Greg's two monuments that he's in the middle of carving are uh, disturbing in a different way. Mm -hmm. They're just incredibly morbid. Sure. (laughs) So, like, all of the most, like, skulls, death's heads, uh, hourglasses running out. Mm -hmm. Incredibly uh, depressing, morbid imagery carved into these grave obelisks. This is some beautiful work, my friend. What is your name? Oh, I'm I'm Greg. Greg Nevin. Greg Nevin. You are quite the artist. Did you know? Did I know what? <laughs> that you're an artist. Um, I I I I do aspire. Um, I'm I'm my our our, our um the manager our our mentor who taught us everything that we know has has never referred to me by that word. I I hope to one then day they are a be. Fool. Don't call my Mentor a fool. As as you you two are discussing this, you hear a, a raspy, sort of papery thin voice emanating from a curtained off <laughs> section of the workshop. Greg, Greg, who who is that with you, Greg? In the background, you hear delicate flute music, <laughs> and a wind blows leaves acrobatically. <laughs> Through the workshop. Oh, I'm sorry we disturbed you, Master. But uh, a visitor is here for to see Mike to take take him away. I think. Yes. Why? Why must you? Why must you take Mike away? <laughs> his time has come. It is his calling. Are you dead? Some have referred to me as such. I mostly want him to lift things, though. The band is getting back together. Ah, yes, the band. Such a frippery. Such a frippery. Not like stone carving. (laughs) Solid, dependable, majestic. You... You want Mike for your band, do you? It's not that I want. It's that he always was part of the band. He does fine work here. Hand is on the cherub again. (laughs) Yes, such majestic creations of his. But it is not... Not to everyone's taste, admittedly. (laughs) It is not his true calling, however. Oh, what would that be? Lifting. Ah, yes. I've always noticed his squat little legs. <laughs> An attribute I share. Ever since Sue mentioned that she was deaf. <laughs> I mean, I right. didn't say those words. Okay. <laughs> Greg has been looking at her differently. <laughs> With an artist's eyes. Oh. And has just begun chiselling uh, one of the obelisks and is beginning to chisel the likeness of Sue into it. And just softly at first, as the sound of chiselling begins, under it is this sound which at first you're, you're not sure whether it is part of the stone carving equipment making this sound. Mm. 
but it becomes clear that this is the sound of Greg singing to himself in the graveliest death metal voice you have ever heard. Incredible. The words are completely unintelligible. It's just this... Cement mixer rumble under the sound of chiseling. Incredible. Oh, Gregory, why? Why must you torment me with your voice of sin? My eyes turn from... The master. And and, and the, the oboe lifts to her mouth as she turns her gaze to Greg and is, is possessed to, to play along. I, like, what the tune is, no one knows, but suddenly we are jamming. Greg I, is in the zone. Something about the oboe music changes Greg's like rhythm of chiseling, but incredible. it is unclear whether he consciously hears it or whether it's just influencing him. Wait. Hold on. You, do you have some kind of music-playing device? We do not play music here. It is a place of silence, which is why I hate Gregor's singing. Ah, ah. Staring. Playing the oboe. Oh, no. All of this music, you must silence it. My ears cannot take it. Turns to Greg. This is a terrible place. You are being stifled, my friend. What? You have a gift. With your hands shut up. With your <laughs> with your hands and your voice. Wasted your life has been. But now I see your true purpose. I can't possibly leave here. I'm, I'm, I'm doing a modern apprenticeship. I have to complete it. I won't get my credits. Yes, you won't get your credits, Gregory. <laughs> then where will you be? Greg, if I've learned one thing in life, if you can carve a stone anywhere, you can carve a stone everywhere. Ah, she knows my true secrets. <laughs> <laughs> I'm... Look, you've just turned up and started saying lots of portentous things. Um, I, I, I don't think I can. I, I, my, thing, my place I is here. I am part of the legendary band, Bilbo and the Sherpas. You have heard of us, yes? Yes. I am the Sherpas. You are all of the Sherpas. Mike is also the other Sherpa. We are the Sherpa twins, yes? I understand, but this is just all too much. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I, I think I need to leave. Greg sort of just drops the chisel on the floor and, and walks off in a tiz. Oh, look what you've done, you vile, odious woman with your music. You've driven Gregory from me. I want him to return to Carvey's wondrous creations. So macabre, so morbid. Perfect. Oh, he will carve. He will carve a path far away from you and your restrictions. (sighs) He will carve his destiny. You tell my brother that I was here. I I might. You tell him. Okay, I will. (laughs) And she oboes away. (laughs)
All right, lovies, it's me, Matt, your compare. While the players are getting ready for their next scene, let's take a look at the programme, shall we? Bit of a theme in our announcements this week, see if you can guess what it is. First of all, you may be familiar with Marta da Silva from our previous studio productions, the Andromeda Ward Christmas special and the first Nova, and you'll be hearing more of Marta in the production after this one, when she debuts her character for Vigil. But if you can't wait until then, Marta is also currently appearing in a podcast called Vampire the Masquerade Port Saga. It's an audio drama currently airing its second season, uh, wherever you get podcasts. It's a kind of a vampire murder mystery. A young vampire is trying to solve the mystery of his sire's murder, returning back to a city that he left a long time ago, only to discover that an old friend has confessed to killing his sire. So you can find that wherever you get podcasts, just search Vampire the Masquerade Port Saga. Vampire the Masquerade is a role-playing game, but Port Saga is not an actual play podcast like what we do here. It is a scripted audio drama set in the setting that Vampire the Masquerade creates. Second and final thing before I go and call beginners for this next scene. I've been reading Dracula for the first time this year via email. You may or may not know that the novel Dracula is entirely composed of letters, diary entries, and so on, each of which is clearly dated. Every single bit of Dracula, every diary entry, every newspaper clipping, and so on that make up the story has a date attached. It takes place roughly from, I think, March to November over a single year. And somebody had the clever idea of taking all of those entries and emailing them to people on the day in question. This means that we're not reading the novel in the order that it is present that Bram Stoker presented it. We're reading it in chronological order of the events that happen, which puts a very different slant on things. Anyway, that's been a big hit this year. It's essentially turned uh, certain corners of the internet that I that I play in into a big Dracula book club with lots of us, me included, discovering the book for the first time by experiencing it in real time along with all these other people. And off the back of that, there is going to be a podcast. It's going to be called Regarding Dracula or Re-Dracula. Uh, It's going to start next year and it's going to do the same thing as the email newsletter, but with fully voice acted, sound designed audio drama. There's a trailer coming up so you can get a sense of the project and hear some of the uh, well-known names that are taking part in it as, uh, as some of those famous characters. The key point to get across is they are currently crowdfunding to make the show happen and to make sure that everybody can get paid fairly and make the whole thing a, a great production. So if it sounds like an interesting project to you if maybe you haven't read Dracula ever and would like to experience it this way or you have read Dracula and would still like to experience it this way because it's this chronological way of experiencing it 
uh, and fully acted and bringing all of these characters and relationships to life, then go ahead uh, and use the link in the program notes here to head to their Seed and Spark page and chip in to make that production happen. 6th of November. It was late in the afternoon when the professor and I took our way towards the east, whence I knew Jonathan was coming. We did not go far. 11th of October, evening. Jonathan Harker has asked me to note this, as he says he is hardly equal to the task, and he wants an exact record kept. I think none of us were surprised when we were asked to see Mrs. Harker a little before the time of sunset. We have of late come to understand that sunrise and sunset are to her times of. 25th of September, 6 o'clock. Dear Madam Mina, I have read your husband's so wonderful diary. You may sleep without doubt. Strange and terrible as it is, it is true. I will pledge my life. 24th of August. I must imitate Mina and keep writing things down. Then we can have long talks when we do meet. I wonder when it will be. I wish you were here with me again. On July 6th, we finished taking in cargo. Silver, sand, and boxes of earth. At noon, set sail. East wind. 25th of May. My dear Art, we've told yarns by the campfire in the prairies dressed one another's wounds after trying to land... Third of May, Bistritz. I had for dinner, or rather, supper, a chicken, done up somewhere with red pepper. Memorandum, get recipe for Mina. I asked the waiter, and he said it was called Paprika Hendel. Regarding Dracula will be a chronological adaptation of Bram Stoker's gothic masterpiece. We need your blood, uh, help, to get this adaptation out of its coffin and into your podcatcher of choice. Visit bit.ly slash redracula to invite this podcast into your home. The stakes are high because this is an all or nothing project. I am in hopes that I shall see more of you at Castle Dracula. (laughs) now please take your seats once again in the studio monumental exit act one will resume shortly alex we're with you the next scene is going to be all about ex-roadie, now stone carver Mike Sherpa and his needs and wants. Would you like to establish this scene or resolve it? I would like to resolve it. Oh, okay. So what would we like to see Mike doing, trying to do? Could this scene be Mike and Greg at the master's funeral? (laughs) (laughs) The master died hours after that conversation. (laughs) That is an amazing swing. I love it. (laughs) He died of a broken heart is what he died of. (laughs) You killed him! You were dead! A churchyard. Mm-hmm. The rain is coming down in sheets. Of course. Mm-hmm. Many mourners clad in black. <laughs> Every okay. most most of the mourners <laughs> are conspicuously conspicuously like have big good upper body strength because they're mostly the master's students. Mm-hmm. So they're all stone carvers. 
cry, but in a hench way. (laughs) 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 A beautiful eulogy is being delivered. Greg is in the front row of the mourners, right, right by the coffin before it is lowered, head respectfully lowered, henchly weeping. <laughs> At the graveside is the monument that Greg has carved for his, mm. for his stone-carving master. It, it is the figure of death, but there is a definite flavour of Sue Sherpa in it. <laughs> Great. It is basically, yeah, it's Sue Sherpa as death standing uh, atop a, a mound of skulls. So pleased wow. for the legacy. Yeah. I want fan yeah. art there. Wielding a scythe that has elements of the oboe-ish, oboe <laughs> form to it. <laughs> the oboe scythe. <laughs> Amazing. Um, there is a stony-faced priest who has just finished doing the, uh, I don't know, the religious chat that they do during those funerals. Uh, the priest looks into the, you know, in, into the grave as the coffin is being lowered and says, ashes to ashes, dust to dust. Marble to marble. Takes a handful of gravel rather than dirt and throws the marbly chunks onto the coffin as it's being lowered down as a sign of respect. Oh, it's how he would have wanted to be remembered. No, it isn't! <laughs> over, 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 the, over the hill, because there's a hill in this graveyard, comes uh, an incredibly squatted-legged man with big upper body strength. And he's he's got a... A mess of sort of white, scraggly hair um, tied back into a, a loose ponytail. He's got uh, a, a scruffy beard, um, not that long, just, just kind of scruffy. And uh, he's wearing some some dungarees. And uh, on his shoulder, he's carrying the biggest cherub you've you've ever seen. Beautiful ornate wings. Lovely sort of um, beatific sort of smile on 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 the on the cherub's face, and um, uh, a, a two foot wang. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I tried! I tried so hard to hold it together, but <laughs> it's so silly. Um, and yeah, and he's he's sort of like just marching. You can't go on without me. He would have wanted this. This is the one that he wants. Not your, not your poncy bullshit. And Greg is just like looking around, looking daggers at every single one of the other mourners, being like, who told him? Who told him where we'd be? I found out, didn't I? Yes. Yes, I found out. Mike, I brought my, my monument to Mike, the master. Mike, do you really think this is the time? Now's the fucking time, Greg. This is- you can see that this this is not respectful to our master, Mike. You're right. Your piece of trash isn't respectful. However, mine, mine is the best. Look at it. Look at its majesty. The, uh, the, the, the priest interjects and says, Gentlemen, gentlemen, this is a place of God. Could you keep these petty grievances to yourselves and respect the dead? I'm trying to respect the dead. This man doesn't want to. He wants this, this, this towering monument of turd. Whereas I want this marble, extra, marble extravaganza. Mike, mine's already in place. It's, it's the foundations are dropped. You, you, there's no way you can replace it with yours at this late stage. Gentlemen, gentlemen, how about we come to an arrangement and we have a, a both of the pieces uh, present on the grave as a sign of eternal respect from yourselves to the master. 
in uncharacteristic display of rage, uh, Greg hoofs the Sparta kicks the the officiant into the grave. <laughs> oh! oh wow, Greg, stay out of this. This is between me and him. His final two students. The priest is just unconscious, just <laughs> laying. Laying inert in the grave on the coffin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a couple of oh, um, small. Uh, uh, so there's a couple of small children that are trying to reach down and uh, pull the priest out. Oh, come on up, you get. Oh, he's oh, oh, he's unconscious. Father. Is he breathing? <laughs> Greg is sort of trying to square up to Mike, but also like trying to stay as if he's playing Elden Ring, <laughs> like trying to stay outside the range where Mike could potentially hit him with the cherub. Yeah, all the cherub bits of the cherub anyway. Um, just like dancing around him. And you can see the crowd are getting quite upset, you know, the mourners here yeah. are getting quite perturbed by what's oh, we're happening. So, this is so disrespectful to our master, but yeah, just, we're just in it now, lecking yeah, daggers at each yeah. other. And in fact, the, the, the whatever, not pallbearers, but the guys who lower it down mm. to the grave are so distracted by you, they all let go of their ropes at the same time. <laughs> And just the coffin with the unconscious body of the priest just lands and cracks slightly. Uh, the, the coffin cracks slightly as it lands in the grave. Look what you've done. Look what you've done. There's a crack of thunder. This isn't what he wanted. He wanted my piece. He wrote to me. He wrote to me and he said that he wanted mine, not yours. You, 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 there's no way you can prove that. Oh, but I can. <gasps> and he pulls out from uh, a bag that he's also holding a note that has the words I pick Mike's monument written on it. Is it see? See? He wrote this. That's not... No way that's his handwriting. It's not quavery enough. Proof. Proof. Greg's going to try it. He's still scared of being hit with the monument, but he's going to try darting in and kicking kicking Mike in one of his <gasps> one of his squat knees. <laughs> You fool! You've come too close to me. You know, you knew my knees would never give out. My little squat legs—they're perfectly balanced. And I swing the uh, the monument towards uh, towards Greg in an attempt to um, knock him out of the way and march forward towards his uh, to Greg's monument. Um, he strides up to the the monument that you've got. Greg is like fully flattening himself against his mm-hmm. his death monument, like trying to put his body between Mike and it. I've sneakily already prepared some cement, um, some quick dry cement, and uh, Mike, out of spite more than anything else, because he knows he's not going to be able to force this off the foundations. We can't do that. So what he does is he pastes some cement onto the bottom of his monument and then just jams it on the top of Greg's. <laughs> like a totem it's yeah. a double layer yeah. yeah yeah there you go happy now Greg is just on his knees weeping before the grave <laughs> yes yes cry your tears your tears won't make it any better now mine's on top mine and and as Greg is weeping um, you start to hear some oboe music <laughs> through the rain and the thunder yeah from behind your monument steps out Sue in the same pose as you had carved mm. that there is a flash of lightning behind Sue from Greg's point of view yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. he's just overawed he falls backwards onto the ground yeah Michael Sue what are you doing here I'm here to stop you making the worst mistake of your life what, what do you mean 
this boy, this this young man. Greg is in his mid-fifties. This child is brimming with talent. Can you not see it? No, his calf is a shit. Can you not see the likeness? Another flash of lightning. The likeness of what? To him to who? Plays the other What are you talking about, Sue? Is this another one of your riddles? Yes, I frequently riddle. Greg, Greg is weeping in a gravelly way. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Can anyone else hear a cow giving birth? <laughs> Where's it coming from? That to my brother is the sound of the future. The future? The future of rock. What? Weep, my boy, weep! <laughs> my God. I've never heard the like. (laughs) And so it comes round to me. What are you going to pick, Matt? Mm. I've got to choose to either establish or resolve a scene that is all about Greg Nevin. So I think I'll establish and I'll let all of you resolve. Okay. um, That this is like Greg at at his lowest ebb. Mm. You know, his his beautiful monument to his master has been besmirched at the graveside. Mm-hmm. These weird characters have come into his life, or this one weird character has come into his life who has disrupted everything, but who he also sees as some sort of beatific death figure. <laughs> and so I think this is like, maybe you guys have brought Greg before Bilbo for like to the final assessment, to be presented and be like the final assessment of like this is the piece of the puzzle mm-hmm. that will like assure our return mm. and the band's immortality. Why do I feel like we're more like a cult than we are <laughs> a band? <laughs> going down this creepy yeah. death cult route. It's just Sue's vibe. Mm. The Sherpas have just scooped up Greg from the funeral and and brought literally him, brought yeah scooped him up and brought him to Bilbo. So I guess mm. it would be wherever Bilbo is. Mm-hmm. Wherever Bilbo Where is your out. throne room? <laughs> I, th- <laughs> I think Bilbo's maybe got his own bar. Oh, nice. Called yeah. like, like BB's or something, right? Mm. Bilbo Biltong. And he's got like a very seedy, like private table that's away from the rest of the patrons, you know, red velvet rope with the curtain around the outside of a big circular table and the booth around the outside of it. Great. So Greg is Greg is not pleased with Mike, but like has been sort of picked up by Sue on the promise of, uh, of a drink to drown his sorrows mm-hmm. and brought to this bar. So Greg is seated at this table in BB's, uh, surrounded by the rest of Bilbo and the Sherpas, still very down, still like keeping as much distance between himself and Mike as possible, mm-hmm. and nursing. I like with the gravelly voice, he's got to be like a whiskey drinker, right? So he's mm. he's sure. he's nursing like a whiskey sour. Nice. Okay. Yeah. The uh, diminutive figure of Bilbo is sitting on a slightly raised seat, his own <laughs> personal throne. Um, you had some difficulty getting in because he's made the door frames all sort of his sort of size to make himself feel better. So most people have to stoop before Amazing. they come in, like it's a low ceiling type. Bilbo's thing. booster seat. Amazing. Bilbo's booster. Yeah. In, in BBs. Yeah. The Biltong booster. And he is uh, chopping a line of, uh, of cocaine <laughs> and uh, cutting it with his diarrhoea medicine and the Werther's original. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, he just goes, so sticky. <laughs> goes from one well, end to the stickiest of the yucky. Because <laughs> he's old, everybody. Uh, and he goes from one end of it to the other in one swoop. Ah, oh, that's good. So, you are the famous Greg. 
I, I'm really not famous. I'm just um, my life's a little bit upside down at the moment. I appreciate the um, the, the the shoulder to cry on and the drink. Um, it's just I've been carving at the feet of my of the master for so long, and that's my that's my life. That's all I know how to do. I, with his death, I feel like I should be carrying on his legacy, not taking up with a a. a what genre is it? Greg. A band? Greg. Whatever it is that you seem to want me to do? Greg, come, come it on It just doesn't now. seem very me. Excuse me. Excuse me. No, excuse me. <clears throat> Greg, I can't lie to you. That was really fucking dull. If you told me two weeks ago when I first met with Sue that I'd be getting a replacement who's a stonemason and a strange, sad sack of a man like you, well, I'd say get the fuck out of here. No one okay, is going to replace okay, Bilbo Biltong. I'll get my coat and I'll go. No, 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 you sit down, because Sue has spent a lot of time messing around, and two weeks has passed, <laughs> and all she has done is told me that she went to a quarry, she met an old man, and then had a fight at a funeral. This show is really, really soon. Sue, I'm very, very cross with you that you took this long. So, the... Sue is just eyeballing Greg this whole time, just staring. <laughs> Greg is just trying not to meet her eyes. Bilbo, but is increasingly magnetically drawn back to them. Mm-hmm. Bilbo puts puts uh, one of his tiny emaciated <laughs> hands on Greg's shoulder. You're my only hope now, Greg. What? You're my only hope. Listen, this is the big finale to my career. Do you know how long Bill Tong and the Sherpas have been around? No, Bilbo and the Sherpas. Do you know how long Bilbo and the Sherpas have been around? Almost as long as Bill Tong. As long as I've been alive. No longer. 67 years we've been going. It's been a hell of a ride. I've seen people come and go. People have come into the band. People have left the band. And now it's time for me to do my... My swan song. One last show. At the Beanstalk. And then there will be a ceremonial handing over to you, to our new vocalist. What? But I don't know anything about singing or being in a... Listen to your heart, Greg. The music is within you, I believe it. You must forgive Sue, she took a lot of LSD in the 70s and never fully recovered. You're telling me. Shut up, Mike. But from what I hear from the Sherpa twins... You've got a beautiful gravelly voice, like you're gargling rock salt. He bloody does. Sounds cracking. It's like a cow lowing. So poetic. Like blocks of concrete going around in a washing machine. That's what it sounds like, I've heard. It's perfect for our sound. That's... that's what you... But Master always hated my singing. He did not know what he was talking about. And he's dead, so who gives a shit? He, my master has been the barometer of my life for so long. I, I, I judge every decision by what what would master do. Greg, I I fear that you. Tr- uh, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna take it from here. Well, mm. I'm sorry, sorry, but the master's dead. He spent his last forty years bedridden. Do you really want to take your 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 life cues from a man who didn't move from a bed? He was a great stone carver, but he was a shit human being. And how much stone did he really carve from that bed anyway? Well, I didn't see him carve one fucking thing. This is... I've never really thought about it like that. But if not, I feel like I need, a, I need direction in my life and I need, I need a, a master. I need a, a compass that points me true north. There if that you know. was not... Who We've... will be my... Greg. Greg. 
with every one of these utterances that you say, you're taking the narrative away from me and focusing on your own coming-of-age tale. This is about me and my final performance. You, boy, will come under my wing. You will be the new Bilbo. Don't you see? Fame and riches and adoration from our septuagenarian audiences. It can all be yours. You've just got to forget about that master. I am your master now. So what's it to be? Greg thinks. Do we get a montage of, <laughs> of Greg, like, at home in different or in different situations, like, walking yeah. along a beach, just and, like, hitting the face with some seaweed, <laughs> and, and, and going to, to chisel... <laughs> But his next Derek thing... in the background still dying of the, the jellyfish sting. Yeah, he goes to chisel, and it's supposed to be like a like a death's head moth, but it ends up being a microphone. <gasps> and this entire montage is under underscored by Bilbo and the Sherpas. Well, and, one of their and sad songs. In in Greg's mindscape, he he keeps looking to the curtain in the corner of the workspace behind which the master lies looking that way, listening for guidance, and from behind that curtain comes the voice of Bilbo. Kid, just join my fucking band. (laughs) (laughs) And Greg downs his whiskey sour. Master. Okay, let's make rock and roll. Fuck yeah! This has been Monumental Exit, a studio production from Merely Roleplayers, starring Matt Boothman as Greg Nevin, Natalie Winter as Sue Sherpa, Alexander Pankhurst as Mike Sherpa, and Josh Yard as Bilbo Biltong. The theme music is by Alexander Pankhurst, and the episode was edited and produced by Matt Boothman. We were playing Fiasco, a role-playing game by Jason Morningstar, published by Bully Pulpit Games. Head to bullypulpitgames.com to find Fiasco and many, many Fiasco playsets, including After the Music Stopped, the one we were playing. Merely Roleplayers is a Foggy Outline production in association with Blackshaw Theatre Company. Until next time, if drama be the food of life, play on! you do something something <laughs> I don't know why my mind automatically went to murder <laughs> 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 oh no